you're down, you're losing millions, but it's not, you know, a thousand euros per day. It's potentially tens of twenties or hundreds of million euros per day. So if this project would cost them maybe, I don't know, 100K, 200K to really have this design, this definition of exactly what needs to be done, what's 200K compared to 14 or 17 millions per day? Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and Active Directory security expert, Sean Duby. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HIP podcast. This episode presents highlights recorded during the HIP France conference panel on September 29th, moderated by my colleague Guido Grillenmeyer, and featuring experts Ben Kuhl, Mathieu Trivier, Sylvain Cortez, Jean-Francois Apria, and Cephala Tagaro. Thank you. Digital is the core of every business, nothing new here. In parallel, we have seen many firms experience significant challenges from a wide range of disruptive events, including technology-based failures. Well, that's often human failure, not just technology failure. A quick question between who's running clusters somewhere and are they really <laughs> up more than a normal system? Are you talking about Microsoft clusters? <laughs> yes. Okay, let's leave the cluster question aside. But it's also cyber incidents, of course. That was uh, a key topic of today, how easy it is to take down companies through cyber incidents and ransomware is all over the place. Well, you know, let's let's be clear. It's not just ransomware. It's also industry spionage. Yeah, if even if they don't take you down, they're after your data. Yeah, but let's just assume we're talking about situations where your company is taken down, and you have no way to work anymore. The impacts of those events happen wide ranging, from the shutting down of the colonial pipeline, um, um, with impact to fuel availability. People will probably recall that. That wasn't so long ago in the US East Coast. The folks were scared to potentially not have gas anymore. I mean, now we have a different type of uh, gas uh, shortage and a different type of fear. That's even larger. But in this case, it was real. Colonial Pipeline was shut down the first time in 57 years. I mean, the first time it was actually brought online, yeah, because of a cyber incident where the operators didn't know how far the guys gotten into the system. Just picture that, and and the well, the downtime that they had to cope with, and of course the costs that they had to um, cope with, the cost of that incident. But it's the same with uh, the attack on the Irish healthcare system, causing most appointments to be cancelled, and any attack. Oh, this is getting interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's a big yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that now a cyber incident? No. <laughs> so, um, well, it's actually we shouldn't laugh uh, while I was talking about the healthcare system because that's um, that's where lives are at stake. Yeah, that's where operations cannot take place because some. Um, schedule doesn't work or people don't know what is the right medicine required, what's the right medication, the right 
whatever for, for people and machines might not work. It's, um, that's devastating. So we're talking cyber incidents to healthcare systems is life-threatening. So all of these things are basically have led to a prolonged loss of digital technology. Systems are down, companies can't work. Um, yet, what do we see out there? How do companies prepare? Most companies are typically prepared for disaster recovery in the sense of a data center fails. Oh, we'll handle that, we'll be back up tomorrow. You know, we've got systems on the other data center, we'll fail over. Ideally, immediately, and not in 24 hours. But the thinking is, you're going to be back operational in 24 hours. What if it's not a data center failure? What if you've got data nicely replicated? We just talked about that. Nicely replicated across multiple data centers. And all that data is secured by the same Active Directory force. Just saying. Yeah? If it were Active Directory and your AD is down, your replicas won't help you. They might be destroyed themselves. So how do people actually prepare for such? Where's the governance to, to, to have a plan, the operational risk management for that, business continu continuity management, and all that comes to mind. So the question to our panel is basically, what are your thoughts on what companies shouldn't overlook when they think about operational resilience? Who wants to take it first? I think I will go first. Um, some of you may know, some of you don't. Uh, my background is mostly disaster recovery. I've been designing disaster recovery plans mostly for banks uh, over the last year, 10, 15 years. And 10, 15 years ago, it was, as Guido said, you know, a real disaster, you know, a data center going down. So the plan was to recover in another one and then restart. Today, the, the, the threat is really different and it's like everything will go down and just bringing up system is not enough to just go live. That's, that's the difference between bringing system back and bringing the business back. So usually the, the company are prepared for bringing the system back, but that doesn't mean that the business will go live after. And that's something that it's usually just misunderstood by companies. It's like, yeah, I can recover my, my system. And what if? What if you still have an attacker in, he will take it down in a few minutes. What if you know, you're not safe? You're not safe even if you're recovered. And that's something, that's the difference between, as I said, bringing the system down, which is, to be honest, fairly easy now, and bringing the business back. And I think one topic where companies should focus on is really what that extra step that is required to bring the business back. That, that's a big topic. Let me ask a question on what you just said, bringing the business back. Is it actually required to survive to bring everything back at once? Well, usually when you consider disaster recovery, you start by recovering your, a bit of a network, then a bit of infrastructure then you go into identity. And all those steps are very linear. You know, you go one by one, the one after the other one. And then you go collaborative, business, everything. But the bottleneck that you have at first is identity. As long as you didn't recover identity, you can't restart anything else. So the focus really should be on identity, recovering clean identity before you can put anything back online. Yeah, um, I mean, part of the discussion is not only the technical side of what we are talking about. Um, what I mean by that is 
when the crisis happens, you need to be prepared. Meaning, you need to think about it before it actually happens. And what do you need to prepare? I mean, basic stuff. Because imagine everything is down, like, I really mean everything. So no network, no ID, no exchange, no Skype, so everything is broken. So you need to anticipate this situation. And you need to be sure the day you will get this crisis, you have everything prepared. Which include, do I have a war, a war room somewhere? Do I have a room where I can sit with my peer and, 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 and manage the stuff? In this room, can I have you know, sufficient uh, power plug to, for everyone? Uh, do I have uh, internet connection? And for sure, not the internet connection using the network. Internet connection with perhaps actually an individual router to be able to, to be connected to internet. Do I have a list of phone number which is not a digital list? Do I have a paper with a list of you know, people I need to contact? Perhaps I need as well to have like personal emails of some people because I will need to use perhaps Gmail because again, exchange is down. So everything needs to be prepared. You need to think about the paperboard. You need to think about you know, having uh, enough seats in the room. You need to think about, okay, everything is broken. Do I have a place where I can manage it? Which is not a the technical side of the crisis, meaning it's not about IT, it's not about AD and so on. But if you don't have it, you will not be able to recover, for sure. So think about it, make the process happen to do that. And perhaps you need to have like a sort of vault where you put this kind of information, like a physical vault, not an IT vault. And then you can, you can store you know, everything you need when the crisis will happen. Great points. Let me ask, are you suggesting that it's um, something that people should think through the theory? What if? Ask those what if questions. What if this is gone? What if that is gone? How are we going to prepare? And also my question on what do we need to, you know, what, what's important to bring back from the business first the technical side is, you know, you know, network and then identities. That's clear, but I'll hint at the fact that too many customers, sorry, companies, don't necessarily know what are the most critical applications that I actually need to bring back so that my business can survive, and who are the users that operate it, and have have that contact list. That's part and of what you need to get offline. Absolutely. You know? like uh, application owner, who is managing what. And, and that's part of what you need to put on the paper and put the paper in the vault. And, and you will open the vault when the crisis happens. And for sure, it's part, I mean, priorization is part of you need to think about before the crisis already happened. And, and again, it seems like obvious to say that, but honestly, uh, it's not. So you, you, first, you need to think about it. You need to prepare all this stuff. And perhaps, if you can, you need to, let's say, mimic this kind of situation. You, you, you can do exercise 
to be sure you will be ready. Because perhaps you, when you will do this exercise, you will understand, ha, I miss the IP address of the main important servers for my business, for example. So I need this IP address. I need to put it in the vault. Good stuff. Any additional thoughts, Jeff? Oh, maybe um, nothing special to say because uh, Sylvain was uh, perfect. But uh, in fact, uh, I worked last, uh, last week on a restart plan, uh, very uh, disruptive. And uh, this customer was absolutely nothing, really, really nothing. No storage, no virtualization platform to restart. Backup was okay. Uh, with uh, with chance, you understand. Uh, you know the, the the publicity with uh, Lucky Strite, with uh, you, you understand this this soldier with the with the the gun, uh, lucky unlucky. So so we were lucky because backup was good, but uh, a lot of time to restart because we must to find the storage, the virtualization platform to restore. Uh, on a new platform, to, to have a box, to, uh, to try to connect another site after restore, to restart uh, a first site on, on a clean connection. Uh, who have uh, a free box, uh, please, to, uh, to connect uh, United States? Because there was really nothing. So, uh, as you said, uh, a minimum of uh, preparation uh, can be done uh, very easily. Uh, to to try retry super try the the scenario to to restart uh, the business and um, uh, when we have the the stack the the basic stack we can uh, we can uh, restore application uh, soft part of the data to uh, to to do the business but effectively uh, as you said uh, we must to know that and sometimes te te technical staff don't know what we need to to do the job so uh, so a lot of preparation with uh, business uh, teams uh, not only technical teams uh, etc i'm sure I'm sure Ben has his thoughts on that. And maybe you want to add something on the need to involve the business in, in this whole um, planning exercise. Just, just, before, just before jumping to Ben, just remember... Well, you mean that takes longer when Ben starts? No, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just want to have like two, one minute. Uh, just remember that the Maersk instance, they were lucky to find a DC that were not replicating. I think it was in Ghana. Yeah, because power outage. Yeah, because of power outage. And they restarted their first DC on a Surface because they had no hardware to restore. So they had to go to the store, buy, buy a laptop, and then restore their DC, their first DC on a laptop. Just imagine the crisis that you need to go through to think about, I need to go to the store, buy a laptop, and start my restoration plan. Just, just as a reminder, they were down for 10 days. 10 days without a ship going in or out. So they were out of business for 10 days. That's just huge. Sorry, back to you. Uh, no worries. Um, so I find everything that everyone said really interesting, but I would actually do it maybe the other way around. Um, we're talking a lot about technical and you were talking about business. And the thing is, if we IT guys always say, you know, you need to do this network, you need to put your virtualization platforms, you need to get your DCs, whatever, running, blah, blah, blah. Business doesn't really understand it because when you're talking to business C-levels, they're saying, I don't really care about everything you're talking about. I want my application to run, so 
I just need network. No, you don't just need network. You need this, 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 this. But because it's not written down in a way that business can comprehend it, they don't understand it. And we waste a lot of time trying to explain what we're supposed to do in what order. So what I would recommend is actually doing it the other way around, saying business needs this. Business critical applications are this, this, and this. Meaning these, this is what we need to restart. In order to restart this, technically, this is what we need to do. So not say that it's the technical driving to get to the business, more like to get this running and this is the core business that we have, we need all these tax stacks, sorry. For this one, all these stacks, and then we can prioritize. The other thing that I find very important is during the crisis that we handled together, um, and I talked about it in the session a little bit, is also the fact that we have a plan on the technical side, and well, not all companies have a plan on the technical side for sure, but let's say they're supposed to get there. But then on the functional side, on the governance side, they really don't know what's happening. So Sylvain wasn't here, but the example was, it's an insurance company that's a worldwide insurance company. Holding is in France. The entity that was attacked is in the US. So the US wants to fix it, but who's making the decisions? Is it the CIO and the CISO in the US? Is it the group CIO, CISO? Who's actually paying the bills? Who's accountable? and nobody wanted to take decisions. So the holding was trying to push decisions, but they couldn't force them. In the US, they were saying, we understand what you're saying, but we have to analyze, because of course, all the legal stuff on the US makes it very complicated. Uh, maybe the companies that work for France don't work in the US or are not allowed to. Um, sometimes, as you know, uh, regulations make it that only U.S. people on the U.S. soil can touch in the U.S. So if you have to think about all this when shit hits the fan, it's basically, uh, it's way too late. So what we go for is more like a decision matrix and try to imagine all the worst case scenarios when you're a group, if, you're, if it's one country, wherever the country is, then this is how you answer. If it's in the US because regulations this way, if it's Switzerland, if it's Germany, if it's whatever, if it's a global attack, then it's not country-based anymore. So decision matrix is once again different. And as I said during one of the podcasts um, that I had with you guys, is I like to, to imagine it just like in a submarine, you know, when um, there's a nuclear attack or whatever, and, and they break open the, the piece of plastic and they have information and they go dark would be pretty much the same. We're getting hit by a, an attack, so I, I consider it terrorist, basically. All right, this is usually our governance model. Um, screw it. Break the thing, pull it out. Um, this is the scenario we're in. This is the key stakeholder. This is the guy who's actually now accountable for all decisions, this or his deputy. Including his phone number on that paper. Phone number on the paper, so and exactly what we're saying. Email and whatnot. Nothing digital. <laughs> exactly. Uh -huh. And that is like the next level, and we have very, very little organizations that are even there. They're not, I mean, you guys know. On the technical standpoint, they're not even doing the technical stuff right. So this is even further, further out. But Sylvain, I mean, when you, when you did IR, so you said you were doing a lot of IRs last year, how were things in the war room? That's a funny situation. Like, I mean, it, it, that's in, what, what is incredible is during this kind of incident or crisis, uh, you know, you don't care about sea level or whatever. Which is which is really funny. I remember. I mean, it was like 
some years ago, big, big French shop, really big, and 80 attacks and everything was down. Um, and we, we had this like war room where everyone was there. And suddenly someone just jumped in the room, like screaming and, you know, uh, shouting people and, and saying, hey, you, 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 need, you need to trick over that first. We are talking yet about prioritization. And I was charged on the AD recovery. And I said to, to the guy, hey, I don't want you in the room. I want you out of the room. And he was, you know, nice guy, like everything. <laughs> and he, he started, you know, to, to struggle with me. And I said, hey, you jump out of the room. I don't want you. And perhaps 20 minutes later, I understand he's the CEO of the company. But finally, at the end of the crisis, the guy come back saying, hey, I want to thank you. Because my folks didn't want to put me out of the room. You are outside of my company, so you don't care. And I repeat, yes, I don't care, really. <laughs> so I can do it because I'm external of the company. And sometimes you need someone which is external to take decisions like that. Because if the guy was Guidance. staying in the room, exactly. People are lost. Exactly. You need somebody to just point yeah. the way. If the way is right or not, it's we a don't separate care. question. But you got to go somewhere instead exactly. of going like exactly. this. You need to follow the plan. If you don't follow the plan, it will be a disaster. Or, I mean, you will be late on your recovery plan and so on. So that's really important. And now, this experience provides to me one guidance when I'm doing that. I want someone which is front of the room and I decide who is able to get in. That's I, it. If the like customer is not agree with that, I don't work with them. I'd just like to bounce back on that one. Um, we had a lot of similar issues when I was at Havanad or now at Accenture. What we usually do on an IR or any crisis, we have two rooms. One with management, one with the techies, and one person handling going back and forth. Because we don't want people, as you said, who have no idea what we're doing, telling us what to do when they have clearly no idea what they're talking about. And we were talking earlier about the pressure that we get on a daily basis. I mean, when we did the IR together, um, how many updates did we have to send during the day? So, I mean, if you're working, and I know uh, Sylvain loves to do uh, KPIs and dashboards and everything. <laughs> so when you're working on something, and you know Accenture can be pretty pushy. So if you have to do updates every 30 minutes, then you're spending 15 minutes to do the updates so that you're only working 15 minutes. So if you can have someone dedicated to those tasks, but leave the techies together, leave someone between techie and functional, and then leave the business on the other side, it usually really helps out. I would add that I believe any company is well prepared to sort of know who they're going to call to support them because they Ghostbusters. They, exactly. They won't have necessarily those skills in-house for that leadership because they're all in a very, very stressful situation that, um, you know, their jobs might be lost anytime soon. The business might be down anytime soon. There's a great article that was just released from um, a victim in Germany that's, um, who's talking about their cyber attack where he sort of needed to calculate, should I pay the ransom 
or give up the company. And it would have been cheaper to pay the ransom than to give up the company. And they were purely lucky that they actually were able to get to a backup of their data, which wouldn't have been there if the attacker had actually the attacker did send the delete command and everything all everything that was online was was uh, was taken down all the replicas in in whatever data center but they did have a tape storage and the tape ro robot had a physical misbehavior so it wasn't able to delete the tapes so again pure luck similar to musk with in that case a power outage where the uh, domain controller didn't replicate um, um, you know, the, the malware and whatnot. So we shouldn't build on luck. Yeah. So that's pretty clear. Yeah. Uh, you cannot build your business outages and hope for luck to survive it. That's a key. And then, and part of that is others have gone through this and take the experience. Yeah. Onboard them into your plans. Understand who you're you're gonna go right so <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's part of it it's you cannot just do it on your own it's good to have somebody on your side yeah just just jumping back to your German example there's a very interesting feedback from Manutan from last year so French company and they, they wrote a complete Rex on what happened during the cyber attack who helped them who did not and I will let you look at who did not help them uh, and they, they, they have really uh, Full coverage of what happened, what they did, what what they had to go through. So it's very interesting. Just just to read the article, uh, can share the article if someone wants it or cannot find it on Google. But it's very important to also learn from who went through that kind of crisis because it's really interesting. And I will say, in France, we don't have you know the right behavior around that. I mean, if you talk with American people, they love to do what they call. Uh, you know, fail coin, which is only people who fail in their process, in their IT, in whatever, and who provide feedback about what happened. And you learn a lot from this kind of content. You learn a lot. And the thing is, to be honest, in France, we are, we, we are not in this mood, so we don't have the habit to share this bad experience, which is, at the end of, of, of the day, it's, it's not good because you don't get experience. So if you share your bad experience, it's, it's really good. And if you can get this kind of feedback, it can help you to prepare to the crisis. You learn from mistakes, and ideally it's from those that others make. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. So, is there some smart statements somebody wants to make to come to basically close off our topic with, you know, Guidance, like uh, um, um, what are the next steps that anybody should sort of think about to take out of this? I, I would just like to come back to the fact that we're all talking about the same thing. Um, basically, we have to prepare, we have to plan. If you involve, so either for a company to do it internally, or if they get you know any integrator or any you know consultancy group to to help them out, it's going to cost money. And that's a big issue because it's it's not a small budget. I mean, if you want to plan for every typical potential scenario and if you really want to do it right, it is going to cost quite a lot of money. And a lot of companies always try to you know, base things on ROI or 
and there really isn't an ROI on planning, you know, for an event that may or may never happen. And I would just like to say for those of you out there, maybe who are working in a company or working in a consultancy group or whatever, is I think that the most important part is really to explain, as we've said before, and everybody's been saying the same thing, is the impact um, that that really happens when you have a crisis in a company and the costs, the human cost, not just you know the money, it's also the human cost, the toll that it takes on people. And, and the total despair, I mean, you were saying that you're like, uh, everybody's lost. Guido was saying, yeah, it's like you're, you're I, I would compare it to limbo, you know, because I always like movies. So in Inception, you're down in, you know, fourth level, you're in limbo, you're completely lost. And that's what we see. And we can't let our customers, we can't let their business go there. They have to understand that, you know, you're down, you're losing millions, but it's not, you know, a thousand euros per day. It's potentially tens of 20s or hundreds of million euros per day. So if this project would cost them maybe, I don't know, 100K, 200K to really have this design, this definition of exactly what needs to be done, what's 200K compared to 14 or 17 millions per day? You know, don't really care. And some, some customers do get that. I mean, some CISOs really do understand it. And now we also get the... I think that there isn't there a rule in France where people, I think CISOs are becoming responsible, or I mean accountable when, they, when they're... Not enough. Not enough, but I mean, we're, we're sort of getting there where... I, I, so it wasn't in France, but I do think that there is one country when you get a report and it explains clearly what you're supposed to do, that if you don't take the right measures to do the protection, then technically you're almost accountable for anything that would happen. I wouldn't suggest that we should push that on people, but... Um, <clears throat> I do believe that for the top stakeholders, they should understand that spending a little money to save potentially millions is probably worth it. So that would be, once again, working with the higher-ups to get the budget. Well, thank you, Ben. Thank you, everyone. I think this was a um, um, good exchange. There is not a simple solution for preparing for the worst, but not preparing. I think you had it on your slides. It, it was like uh, it, it's not uh, yeah. failure to prepare is uh, prepare Franklin. to fail. Yeah, yeah, fail to prepare is prepare to fail. Yep. Yeah, and and, and that, that basically summarizes it nicely. Um, do your homework and be prepared for the worst. And then again, the last slide that I had is fun because Sylvain was saying once again the same thing. So we're saying you want to be able to act, not to think. And that's what I put at the end. If you want to be able to act and not to think, you first have to think in order to be able to act. So if everything is prepared, when shit hits the fan, you pull out the list, monkey mode, no need to for, for thinking. Just go through it and it will work. And that's the only way to do it correctly. Love it. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Duby. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com, that's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation.